now. Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. Hello and a very good morning. Welcome to this week's edition of Scotland's Talking. I'm Ali Bally. On the programme today, we've had a stark warning from no lesser figure than St David Attenborough on the dangers of climate change. The world's people have spoken. Their message is clear. Time is running out. But the French government has just backed down in the face of violent protests about increasing fuel taxes as part of an environmental drive. So, do you care more about the planet or your wallet? Also on the agenda before midday, we'll find out why a pint of blood could be the best gift that you could give this Christmas. I have got my entire life back just the way it was before I took on well, and that's all because of a blood donation. And vegans want to change the law in Scotland, so they're guaranteed there's always something they can eat on the menu in schools and hospitals. Vegans have these rights and have to be catered for in the same way as you would cater for somebody who had uh, a certain religious belief. Do you think that's necessary? We shall open the phone lines now, 0333 2020 401. This is Scotland's Talking. Good morning. Scotland's Talking. The podcast. Now, what matters to you more? The future of the planet tomorrow or the health of your wallet today? World leaders are in the middle of the latest round of climate talks in Poland. They're looking at how to limit global warming to well below two degrees by the end of the century. The two-week summit has been described as the most critical since a deal to reduce emissions in Paris in 2015. The legendary TV presenter and expert on the natural world, Sir David Attenborough, gave them this stark warning at the opening session this week. The world's people have spoken. Their message is clear. Time is running out. They want you, the decision makers, to act now. They're behind you, along with civil society, represented here today, supporting you in making tough decisions, but also willing to make sacrifices in their daily lives. To help make change happen, the United Nations is launching the Act Now bot, helping people to discover simple everyday actions that they can make. Because they recognize that they too must play their part. The people have spoken. Leaders of the world, you must lead. The continuation of our civilizations and the natural world upon which we depend is in your hands. So act now, says Sir David Attenborough. But in France this week, the government has been forced into a U-turn on plans to increase taxes on vehicle fuels as well as gas and electricity fuel taxes on environmental grounds. Now, it followed two weeks of increasingly violent protests by people who came onto the streets of Paris and other cities wearing high-vis yellow jackets. President Macron had argued the changes were needed to combat climate change And during the week, the UK's Met Office put out a report saying the massive increase in greenhouse gases is thought to have caused this summer's heatwave. So, are you Sir David Attenborough's words? Are they falling on deaf ears, do you think? Or are you prepared to pay more to save the planet? Or are you of the view, well, when it all happens, when it all blows up, I won't be around? But then again, what are we leaving for our future generations? It's mixed messages most of the time, I think, you know. Buy diesel cars. Don't buy diesel cars. Buy electric cars. Um, Well, don't be too quick to buy electric cars because we haven't got enough charging points. And then you get the warning from the grid saying... Well, if we did all have diesel cars, there wouldn't be enough electricity to get them going anyway. And when you do get 
companies and cities saying we are going electric. You get the situation where someone hails a taxi and went through three taxi companies in one particular city that I know, went through three taxi companies trying to get a taxi to take them home 15 miles because they didn't have enough charge in their cars. Fine for a city, but trying to get a little bit further? No. So where do we stand on this? Do you know what you're doing? Do you know what way you would like it to go? As I say, when I was last buying a car, we were being advised at the time to change to diesel. I was on diesel, so I bought another one, the diesel car, and now I'm going to suffer when I'm trying to sell it because diesel's the worst thing ever. No, it's not. As uh, the head of press and PR for Jaguar said to me in the podcast I do on the Weekly Wheels motoring program, he was saying, you know, there's some of our diesel cars are cleaner than some of the petrol ones. The government needs to make up its mind which way it's going. So do we. We need to be able to say where we're going as well. Do you understand it? Or are you just throwing your hands in the air and going, someone else's problem? What's your thoughts? Here's the ways you can get in touch. 0333 202401 is the telephone number. Call. And if, you, if you're shouting at the radio, if you've got a comment, don't sit there and talk to the wall. Phone me. Get it off your chest. 0333 202401 is the telephone number. You can text your comments to 61054. Start your message with Ali. You can email ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk and if you're a Twitter, then we're on hashtag Scotland's Talking. John, good morning. Good morning, Ali. How are you? Tickety-boo, okay. tickety-boo. How's yourself? <laughs> well, I'm still alive. Well, again, Ali, this is a very serious problem. I mean, we sit here, never bother, but the, the future generation of the, of the world, the next generation after, after that, we are destroying the world by... Vehicles and by this plastic thing and things like that. Mm-hmm. We're destroying the world. Poor animals are suffering. So Richard Amber is correct. I mean, we think we're smart sitting here and we're okay, but the next generation is going to suffer from us. You do mean so David Attenborough. You do mean David Attenborough, don't you? Yeah, David. You said, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know he's your best pal. You know, you get the brothers mixed up, but you know, <laughs> I can just yeah. hear lots of people shouting at the radio saying to you, "It's David, you old fool." What the heck? What is that? Give me his name. <laughs> no. But, but no, is, I mean, is, there, is there enough good advice? It, always, it seems to fight against each other, the advice. Because people today, Ali, they're so lazy to get on their jacksy, go out of their cars and walk a wee bit. There is a problem. Causing by too many people in their car. I see cars every day, one person in it. There's buses there, they could use buses. And then... It's, the ice in is melting now. It's going to put the sea levels up. What's going to happen? I'll be going. Thank goodness. <laughs> I'll be going. And the, and See, the that's, that's the attitude. That's what I'm asking. Is that the attitude? Well, I'll be gone. I don't care. But Ali, Ali, in my generation, there was none of this cars. In my stop, blaming, was... stop blaming everything on cars just because you don't have one. Ali, in my generation, if we saw a car, it was some funny thing. We saw more... Horses, cats, and cars. Not, yeah, but not everybody's as old as you, John. You know, when you, when car, <laughs> you, re, you remember when they went and cars didn't have headlights and a man walked in front with a torch. That's correct. How do, do you do it? <laughs> yes, oh yes, I don't I remember that very well, Ali. Kind of, again, it's a wee bit, it's, serious, it's a very serious problem, Ali. Something's got to be done for a generation, and you, I've got nieces and nephews. And the next generation, and the next generation, where we're still alive, the seas are rising, and the temperatures are rising. There's things happening to the world. So, the son definitely, he's definitely know what he's talking about. A man, he's a good guy. He knows what he, he spends all his life with animals and things like that. You know. Yeah, I, I'm so, not saying he doesn't know what he's talking about. He, he uh, it would seem he does. Um, he he puts it over very well. Um, yes. But you know, I I I do take you to task where. Everything is to blame on the cars. You know, you're you're saying well, you see people one person in a car. That one person in a car might be a doctor. That one person in a I'm car not. just might. Oh, wait, wait a minute. If <laughs> I, I hang on, if I if I, I listen, if I'm coming into work in the morning, right? Yes. Yeah. If I'm coming, 
Yes, yeah, I come into work on my okay. own. I come uh, into my own on my own car on my own because nobody else will come in with me. But hang on, hang on a minute. Hang on. Now, if I come by car, it takes me around about 10, maybe 12 minutes to get from the house into the studio where I'm sitting at the moment, okay? If I was to get the bus, it would, and I, I tried it once, and it took me nearly an hour and a half. Why? Why would I? The public transport. Look at the state of the railways. You know. I know they're bad. They're very bad. You know, you're t- you're telling us. To, you're saying use more public transport. Look at the state of yeah. the service in ScotRail this week has been appalling. So how can you depend on that? Why should I go and stand? You know, walk, walk half a mile to a bus stop, then stand in a drafty bus stop and get the cold. Wait for a bus coming. Change three buses. Come on. Why, why, why should I do that? Here, I mean, have you got a bike in the house? Have you got a bike? No, I don't. Well, I've got a bike. Because you were just going to tell me to get on it. I'm not falling into that one. <laughs> but I will say to you, John, thanks <laughs> for your call. Get on your bike. Take care, Bye-bye. Get on your bike. Bye-bye. 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 On your bike. Bye-bye. Yes. Right, so there we are. John starting off, us off. But I knew he's been on before, always blaming everything on cars. Um, and, 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 you know, that if everybody was to do it, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work at all. So I don't think anyway. But I've said it before, you know, one of my titles is motoring journalist. So, yeah, I'm a slightly biased. I think that, you know, the, the manufacturers have listened to governments and they've changed the way that they produce engines, etc. They've done as much as they can. There are thousands upon thousands of jobs depending on car manufacturers. So you cannot have the car as the enemy. I wouldn't have thought anyway. Back on the phone lines, and here's John Carr. Good morning, John. Good morning, Ali. How are you, my friend? I'm fine, thank you. So what do you say then, as a professional driver, what do you say to uh, David Attenborough and also John McCutcheon there about getting the cars off the road? That's going to save the planet. What's your thoughts? Well, never mind taking the cars off the planet. Um, I believe that there has been an alternative to fossil fuel or oil or diesel for a long, long time. And the governments of the world just don't, aren't prepared to bring it out because of the same old story, greed and corruption, Ali. Now, I once heard a professor talking, and he was talking about sending a, a craft to Mars. And one of the questions was, well, okay, it's all right, getting them to Mars, but how do we fuel it to come back? And this professor, NASA professor, said, where there's water, there's fuel. Now, I don't know. I've heard stories that people have taken cars into stadiums, adjusted the engine, and filled it with water and drove it out. And then all of a sudden, they're handed a big check by the, the, the oil companies and said, well, see you later, that's shelved. I've heard that too often to believe that it's not true, Ali. So what we're really saying is that the the governments of the world don't want to go away from the oil situation. And let's be honest, when they're pulling oil out of the planet, apparently what they do is they pull the oil out and then fill it with, with waste. That's not doing my planet any good. Is it any wonder that we're having earthquakes where we've never had them before and seismic disturbances where we've never had them before because we're raping the planet and at the end of the day it doesn't belong to us it belongs to the, the future people of the planet no us we've no right to destroy it so I would look along the lines Ali because I believe that we can fuel our cars with other means other than polluting the, the planet right so I, I think what you're saying is it doesn't belong to us we're just the caretakers. Yes, that's always been the case. But as the human race... See, there's an all-favourite saying, Ali, get to the human race, they'll destroy it. We're very good at that. We destroy everything we touch sooner or later. And the, 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 the planet is no different. It's time we woke up and smelled the coffee. Right, so it's a case of what you... I mean, you know, there's not a lot... You can do driving your taxi around Glasgow thinking, you know, I could be driving on water here. 
Yes, I could, then it would be a lot cheaper for everybody. I'll bet you it would. I firmly, firmly believe that, Ali, but it doesn't suit the governments. They're not making the 67 pence in the pound at the fuel pumps. So this is them. And it's all been the same with electric cars. When the electric cars come in, you suit. All of a sudden, it'll be a fortune for electricity because they need to get their money off you. Just here. I'm with you, yeah, with you on that. Okay, John, thank you very much indeed. So he, it's, you know, what is going to happen when there's there's no tax coming in from electric cars? That's when they'll start getting taxed, I suppose, and, you know, uh, we'll be, they'll get their money one way or the other. So we're talking, if you have just joined us, good morning, it's half past ten, we're talking about the climate, the future of the planet tomorrow. Uh, what do you, what matters more to you? Uh, the future of the planet or the health of your wallet today? You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. On the phone lines, we have Ian. Hello, Ian. Ali, how are you? All right. Not bad, Good. thank you, yes. Ali, I agree 100% with what John, the taxi driver, saying. Absolutely spot on. They'll get you one way or another. The other thing I was going to say, Ali, is one of the things that's introduced into cars nowadays is just see when you come with a set of traffic lights or a junction or something like that. The car stops, the car, the engine cuts you all together. Mm-hmm. And you dip the clutch and the car starts up again. Well, I would, in my opinion, what I would say is that the car's using more fuel when that's happening. You're getting more pollution coming out the exhaust. It's no doing your starter motor, your alternator, all these things any good whatsoever. So it's just, act, it's, 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 it's kind of, it's, to me, it's kind of ruined technology, and it's just, it's a, ba- a backward step, and f- as far as I was concerned, okay, coming to a, you're sitting at traffic lights, if the engine's running, that's fine. It's just ticking over, you're not getting a lot of pollution coming out the back, but it's the initial start up, that's, that's when you're going to get mere pollution, definitely. I was to pick up a car soon, Glasgow one time in my, my previous life, it was a car delivery driver. I picked up this car and the uh, here it had a flat battery. So I got the thing started up and, and whatever, kindled up. So here I'm in the middle of Glasgow, come at a set of traffic lights and the thing stopped. Anyway, dipped the clutch and nothing happened because it had a flat battery. Now, I would have, I would have, normally I would have kept the thing running and whatever, it wouldn't have been a problem. But that left the car sitting in the middle of the road. <laughs> Fortunately, somebody come along, realised what the problem was. I went along to the garage uh, got a starter pack, come along, got the car kindled up, and then when I got it back through the east again, uh, the battery was obviously a bit more life in it by that time. But one of the other things that happens, and in, in, uh, well, I know that, well, Norm, no, you've got to mention uh, manufacturers, but they have a big battery behind the back seat. Mm-hmm. And when this, uh, the car's running on that, when the battery goes flat, the engine comes in to charge up the battery again. Yep. I know it's a, it is a kind of modern sort of step towards technology and blah, blah. It's eco-friendly and it, this, they see all these kind of things. But uh, I, 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 I don't know what the answer is, whether it be steam or, or whatever. But there was John mentioning that. Ian, if if the stop start technology that is now put into most new cars Aye. right uh-huh. is being put into most new cars by loads of different manufacturers. Majority of new cars now yep. come with a stop start. You're the man, technology. you know it, you know it. Aye. Well I'm just gonna I'm just asking a question here because you know I'm wondering if I've got it wrong. If these manufacturers had not looked into it's saving um, some fuel, it's technology being better for the air, etc., etc. They wouldn't be doing it, would they? I mean, not every manufacturer would do it, but they are. So it would seem to me that they're right and Ian's wrong. Well... <laughs> <laughs> just just a little guess here, you know. Well, I mean, if I, you've got every manufacturer... They are, they're just trying all these, all these innovations to try and come in. I think that initial start-up is, is okay then. It's not everybody that's doing that all the time, obviously. But I think when an engine is ticking over, it shouldn't be that bad, unless there's a problem with the engine. Unless there's maybe, I don't know... But, uh, it's, not, but it's not putting out any emissions while it's sitting in a traffic light. It's, it, well, it shouldn't it closes, be that bad. It closes down and, and it starts up again. They say that, the, that the ca- uh, petrol cars are worse, worse, worse emissions than what diesels are. 
Okay, I know there's always a lot of smoke. There's maybe more smoke comes out of diesels, but are diesels more polluting than what? I don't know. Okay, forgetting cars, Ian, what are you doing to save the planet? What is your personal mission? What well, do you do? Well, a lot of times I just walk to the shops rather, rather than take the car. Right. I'm not suggesting that the, uh, the, 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 the gentleman, that was, the first man that was on, suggests that you cycle to your work. <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> I would, because if I was to cycle to work, I'd never get here. Anyway. Oh, well, okie doke. Thank you very much indeed for your views, Ian. Uh, seems to have gone down the car thing, but what I, what I was saying, does he recycle? You know, there's lots of different ways to help the planet. We can keep that one going um, throughout the programme if you want to comment then. I'd like to hear from you. Uh, various ways you can do it. You can, of course, text me your comments. The text number 61054. Start your message with Ali or email ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. Telephone number 033 I'd like to move on to uh, another subject, and it's you can save a life this Christmas, and it won't cost you a penny. Tell you more about that in a moment. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. You can save a life this Christmas, and you know, it won't cost you a penny. 470 people will need to give blood every day in December to keep supplies topped up over the festive period. The Scottish Blood Transfusion Service only keep around 10 days' supply in the bank, and there are eight different blood groups. This year, there's a bit of a concern, because Christmas Day falls on a Tuesday, and that's usually the day that they get most donors through the doors. Now, Lynn Wildig is the Associate Director of the Scottish Blood Transfusion Service, and she joins us this morning. Lynn, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Nelly. Why do people mostly come on a Tuesday? That's an, an interesting interesting fact that we were thrown there. Uh, well, it's it's not that most people come on a Tuesday. It, it is our busiest collection days because uh, we find that it, it stocks up um, our blood banks at the appropriate time. Um, so, yeah, it is one of our busiest. Also, a Thursday, um, the occasional Sunday. Uh, but on a Tuesday and the run-up to... In, the Christmas and New Year week this year, it will have an impact of about just over 1,700 units that we won't be able to collect, which is why this Christmas launch um, has been quite important to make sure we've got the blood in the bank ready to cover um, that shortfall we can't collect in that period. You always keep having to remind people, don't you? It's, 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 it's an ongoing thing for you to, to nudge people into to, to going and giving blood. We've we've got some amazing donors out there that that, that don't need a nudge. But um, at this time of year, it can be a bit of a challenge for us. We can see a 20% drop in the number of donors coming forward to donate, and that's because they're they're out shopping or mm-hmm. they're busying themselves for Christmas. We even see um, you know advancing technology people quite happily spend um, an hour on Facebook, but you know get that that hour could just as well be uh, in donating blood and we're only asking people to do it once or twice a year rather than you know, yeah. uh, their own social media. The other thing um, that can be a problem for us at the moment, particularly with the younger generation, um, is the popularity, the rise in popularity of tattoos, uh, which has a short deferral period on it. So um, these things combined um, means that you know, occasionally we've got to go out there and just remind people um, you know, give that donation and, and put it on your Christmas list this year, that extra hour to give uh, a, a unit of blood. I'm going to just have a, a quick listen with you to Gemma McSheffrey, who's had to rely on donated blood following her diagnosis uh, last year. The 23-year-old was slowly paralysed by a nerve illness over a number of months until she had a plasma exchange. So let's let's just have a, a listen to what she has to say. I wasn't able to walk at that point, use my hands, and I lost my memory. I really had no social life at that point, and I was restricted to just being bed-bound and having nurses look after me 24-7. So really, I have got my entire life back just the way it was before um, I took on well, and that's all because of a blood donation. Um, and if that hadn't happened, then I probably would never have recovered to the same extent that I have now. I got my life back just by someone donating some bloodline. Yes, 
exactly. And I think what Gemma's story highlights is, you know, she had just come back and I was chatting or she'd just come back off holiday. Um, she was back at university and she was walking up her stairs when she realised, you know, her, her legs were aching, they were swollen. Um, and it can happen to anyone mm. out of the blue. You know, any one of us walking about fit and healthy can suddenly um, be, you know, struck down with something that requires blood products. And I don't think the population realise uh, just how many treatments and illnesses and uh, surgeries require uh, different blood products. And at any time, it could be you. That's the, the, any, the yeah. bottom line is any time it could be you, it could be me. You know, it's, um, we're all susceptible to needing blood products. And I think um, Rob from Hatton in Aberdeenshire, he supported um, our Christmas campaign this week as well. Um, and Rob was actually a blood donor. He, he was an O-positive blood donor. He, he gave regularly every few months, never in a million years thinking that he would need donations. Um, and uh, one day he, you know, he exercised regularly. He was a hill walker and everything. And then one day in January 2013, he felt really awful and he had to go home. And he started vomiting blood. Um, he was able to call 999 and he was rushed to A&E. But... Um, what had happened is he had a stomach ulcer, pains he'd had in his stomach, stomach ulcer had burrowed into uh, a major artery and, and burst, resulting in his stomach being filled with blood. So um, his life, again, was saved unexpectedly. And as a blood donor, he was doing it for other people, never ever thinking would he would rely on the other blood donors out there. I'm sure you've heard it many times when you've been in social conversation with people or indeed just talking to groups you have had. Oh, I always mean to do it, but I never get round to it. Um, who can and who, who, more importantly, who can't give blood? Right. Um, let me say first up, most, uh, I would be very rich if I had a pound for everyone that said to me, you, will, you won't really take my blood, you won't want my blood. You know, um, let me clear that myth up straight away. There's a better, there's a higher chance we will accept you than not accept you. And what I would actually encourage people to do is say, if they don't know if we'll accept them, go on to our Scott Blood website, it's as easy as that, There's a, click the can I donate and it will take them through a question and it will let them know if they're eligible. From there on, you know, the, they have then got to make the decision, right, okay, I have no more excuses, I'll go and donate or make an appointment. Um, but, you know, 17, uh, fit, healthy, well, um, you're a high chance you'll be able to donate blood. Now, we do have some uh, short-term deferrals in there. We have some lifelong deferrals. So uh, when I say fit and healthy, you know, some medications, some conditions uh, may defer you. And if you're not sure about those after you take the Can I Donate um, quiz, um, what I would suggest is you call our helpline, which is 0345 And you will be able to speak to uh, one of our nurses about your individual condition medication. Um, and they'll be able to guide you as to whether you're eligible to do or not. But generally, over 17, um, over 7 uh, stone 12 pounds. Um, and you should, you know, you've got a very high chance you should be able to donate. And for something like, you know, lying there, for a little while. How long does it take? You can tell I'm not a blood giver. Go on. <laughs> okay, well, we need to, we need to have a <laughs> conversation about yeah. that offline. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it takes... Uh, the actual blood donation bit takes a maximum of 15 minutes. We will not let it. But it takes about an average of 10 minutes for people on a bed. Right. And then they have a rest period afterwards. The first time you come along, um, it can be 45 minutes to an hour. And that's because you have a full... Um, personal donor interview with um, one of our qualified staff and they will take you through health check questionnaire because we obviously are, take our duty of care to our, our donors um, very, very seriously. So you'll have that interview. So the first time, 45 minutes an hour. Thereafter, it can be anything from uh, start to finish, 30 to 45 minutes. And we're only asking our donors to do it once, maybe twice per year. Unless, of course, you're O negative, which is our universal blood group. Um, and then we might ask you to do it three times a year. OK, so someone listening at the moment thinking, right, I'm going to do that. What do they do? What's the easiest way to do? The easiest way to do it is either go onto our website, as I said. Um, we can 
uh, make appointments uh, online in a Glasgow uh, donor centre or they can call uh, directly from online and we will be rolling that out next year to the rest of our sites in Edinburgh, Inverness, Aberdeen and Dundee and then eventually all communities. Or they can call our, our helpline, as I say, 0345 9099. But the easiest way is go on our website and actually type in your postcode right. and it will tell you where your nearest session is and when it is. Fabulous. Lynn, hopefully you, you get a, a, a bit of an increase and that you, you don't need all these um, uh, donors that you, you think just might drop off over Christmas time and uh, hopefully you have a, a reasonable festive period as well. Thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning. Thank you very much for having us on. Thank you. Thank you. So that number once again is 0345 90 90 999 or onto the Scott Blood website and you get more information. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Lynn Wildig is the Associate Director of the Scottish Blood Transfusion Service. After the news, do we need to change the law in Scotland to make life easier for vegans? And should there you be fined on the spot for wolf whistling? You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. So we've been talking about saving the planet and also blood donations. Here's a, a, a Twitter. No, it's not. It's a text from Liz. And she says, all this save the planet stuff is great. Save the planet? Most folk can't even speak to their neighbours. The planet will be fine. Humanity? I'm not so sure. Thank you, Liz. Uh, we'll come back to that, uh, no doubt. Uh, Deirdre's on the line. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, Ali. Good morning. Hi. Hi there. Y- Hi. Your thoughts this morning, then? Right. Well, the Save the Planet one, yeah, that's quite a good one. We've got so many different... We've got so much... Um, how can I say it? Um, that was really what I was going to say, anyway. But anyway, we, we do so many clever people in this country that, that can actually do things and uh, petrol and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, they can get by that. Leave anyway, it to them. <laughs> Yes, leave right. it to them. What about I blood think so. donations? Scientists then? are brilliant. Blood donations is one thing I'm really, really passionate about. Yes, um, unfortunately, I can't give my blood uh, because I am so badly anemic. Um, I have had to had two blood transfusions in my lifetime. Um, both times were due to children, certainly. But I have, I've been absolutely, you know, gobsmacked at the people that can do that. And I just wish I could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that do need it are the Regis Negative blood group. Um, and actually, one of my daughters is pregnant at the moment. She's Regis Negative. And her baby, this is her second baby, her first one is fine. Uh, second baby might have to have a blood transfusion. Now, I can get quite emotional at this because, um, you know, it's, it's a matter of life and death for yeah. both of them. And it affects um, you personally, I can understand of that. Does. Yeah. Of course it does. Um, but there are a lot of people as well that need those blood transfusions, like transplant patients. My husband is a liver transplant. A couple of years ago, I spoke to you, actually, when you were doing your transplant. Um, yeah, yeah, I got you now. Remember? Yes, yeah? yes. And um, absolutely, you did fabulous, absolutely fabulous, eh, because the, the transplants went up, I know, a lot because of that, and that was brilliant. Uh, there's also a lot of cancer patients that need blood. There's a lot of people out there that need blood, and especially at this time of year. Please, please, please donate. Please. It's, if, if you can just spend even, just give up half an hour of your time. Mm. It's a marvellous thing. You can save a life. You can save maybe two lives or three lives through it. You just don't know. You know, and I think it's one it of these things as well. Yeah, I think, Deirdre, I can understand you being passionate about it, but I, I think also it's one of these things that a lot of people just put off. You know, everybody, you know most people, not everybody, most yeah. people can get involved uh-huh. in it and can do something, but it's just, you know, it's in mm-hmm. today's fast-moving society, we tend, oh, that's an hour, you know, but um, mm-hmm. as Lynn was saying mm-hmm. earlier, you don't think twice about going on your computer for an hour. So, uh, exactly. It's, it's good for you just, to come on and encourage people, yes. Uh-huh. But can I just say as well, um, just for everybody to think, I might be in that position, I might need a pint of blood sometime. 
I might have an accident over the holidays. You just don't know. And God help anybody that does. And I hope to God nobody does. But if they do, then there's going to be that pint of blood sitting there waiting and somebody will maybe be able to donate that particular pint of blood mm-hmm. that will save their lives. Okay, dear love. Thank you very much indeed for for your call today. Thanks for calling in and giving us your thoughts on that. The number again is to to join us: O Treble Three Twenty Twenty Four O One. So, do we need to change the law in Scotland to make life life easier for vegans? The Scottish Parliament's been presented with a petition demanding that all public sector catering. So things like schools and hospitals, I suppose, uh, must guarantee there are plant-based options on every menu every day. It says it's vital to protect the rights of vegans and for our health, the environment and animals. Going vegan has become increasingly popular in recent years. It means cutting out all meat, eggs, dairy and other animal products. A lot of vegans also avoid other animal-related products like leather shoes or even wool. Barbara Bolton's from Go Vegan Scotland, which is one of the groups demanding the change, and gave evidence to the petitions committee at Holyrood. I think most people believe that veganism is about diet. Many, many people still believe that it's just a personal choice. If you think it's just a diet, then I can understand why if somebody's in hospital you might think to yourself, well, just put your diet to one side and eat what we give you. You're in hospital, this is the NHS, it's publicly funded, you know, just suck it up. But if people understand that it's not a diet, that actually that person is someone who has lived and is doing their absolute best to avoid animal exploitation and killing, and that to suggest to them that they eat something that's been taken from an animal who's been used and or killed for them, you know is equivalent to trying to get somebody to do something that's against any other fundamental conviction, religious or non-religious. Then I think there might be more understanding. Um, But there's also just a lack of awareness that vegans have these rights and have to be catered for in the same way as you would cater for somebody who had uh, a certain religious belief. Mark Banahan from the Vegan Society says it makes financial, financial sense too. It actually doesn't have to cost uh, any more. It can actually be cheaper. Um, I know they were speaking to, I was speaking yesterday to Mark Ruskell, uh, MSP, um, and he was, he was telling me about a, a school in, in his area that has um, decided to do a, a meat-free Monday. Um, and they actually found that it was considerably cheaper to do this. Obviously, meat is actually quite expensive when you compare it to fruit, vegetables, pulses, grains, things like that. Um, and that they've actually managed then to use the savings to um, try and, and buy some really local produce as well to sort of, you know, um, increase their sustainability credentials. Um, and so, yeah, so we, that there is an, another um, place where, where this has actually been done. They have this law in Portugal since last year. Um, and we've been speaking to the Portuguese Vegetarian Society who sort of campaigned to, to get that law in place in Portugal. And they found that vegan options can actually be up to 40% cheaper than, than non-vegan alternatives. So in, in the long run, they're finding that their institutions are actually saving money by, by um, offering a lot more vegan food. Now, the Vegan Society estimates there are around 600,000 people following this way of life in the UK. That's 1.6% of the population. So, do you think they need legally protected status on menus? If you've gone vegan, I'd love to hear about your experience. And also, if you're in catering or the food industry, how would it affect you? I mean, if if this was to be introduced, uh, that there has to be a vegan alternative on menus in schools and hospitals... How long would it be before the next pressure is that every restaurant, cafe, food place must have a vegan option on their menus? And how difficult would that make it for some places to operate? I mean, if, if you're, there was a mention there in, in one of the reports about uh, um, them having a meat-free Monday. Mark mentioned it, that a school had a meat-free Monday. Well, surely if you're having a meat-free Monday and it was successful that you should then look to introduce something every day because those taking part in that meat-free Monday 
must think to themselves, well, what am I doing for the rest of the week, particularly at schools? You know, so just a, a thought to you, how easy are you a vegan? How easy do you find it? Um, is it really necessary? You know, I, I was talking about this uh, amongst uh, some people in the office on Friday, uh, and I was surprised how they, oh, for goodness sake, you know, if you walk into a restaurant and there's something you don't like or you, you don't find anything you like on the menu, you've got a choice. You get up and leave or you take something that's on the menu. We shouldn't have to have a vegan or a vegetarian option. Most restaurants do have vegetarian options now, though, don't they? What are your thoughts? O triple three twenty twenty four o one. Do you think the law should be changed in Scotland to make life easier for vegans? Let's go on the phones. And Marie's there. Hello, Marie. Hi there. Hi there. Right. Thank you for calling. What are you calling about? Uh, the vegan issue. Right. Okay. Are you um, one? Are you one? I am. Yeah, I've been vegan for years. Um, it's suddenly gone massively up in popularity. I was going to say you you were a vegan before it was trendy. <laughs> yes, I was. Why? I've been vegetarian for a long time, and then I just took the next step to right. being vegan, um, mainly for the animal rights issues. I don't really agree with the mass farming. Um, if people want to eat meat, that's up to them, but it's not for me. Right, so you're 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 a cons- I'm I'm being careful with my words here in case I get um, uh, criticised for it. But you you don't go banging the drum then and trying to convince everybody else. No, not at all, not at all. My mum and dad are old school Irish. I mean, they literally chew on a lamb bone in front of me. <laughs> 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 you know, they're, they're scooping the bone marrow out while I'm tucking into a nut roast. <laughs> Right, I think I'm on their side at the moment. <laughs> just, um, well, it's choice, isn't it? That's your choice. It is. That's it. And I don't mind, Marie. I don't mind that. Cho- Everybody is a choice. You know, we're we're on this planet for such a short time, really. Um, you know, and it's it's up to our individual choices what we want to do. But you don't have to be ramming it down the throat. So, what do you think about this call for the change in the law in Scotland? Um, I don't think it's going to do veganism any favours. Um, I don't believe in the nanny state telling us what we can and can't do, what we can and can't eat, what needs to be provided. The only thing I would say is, if you're in a situation where you don't have the choice, like I was in Nine Wells for a week in August because I'd picked up a virus, and there was absolutely nothing I could eat on the menu, so I ended up not eating for two days. Right. There just wasn't anything on it. So if if you're in a school or a hospital or somewhere where you don't have the option to go and find something that is vegan, it would be good if it was available. Um, but I don't think legislation is going to help. But again, the legislation that they're calling from, uh, they're calling for in Scotland is to make life easier for people like yourself. And they've been presented with a petition. And it's been, and, and the petition is fairly straightforward. It's saying demanding public sector catering, so like Nine Wells Hospital that you're talking about, must guarantee there are plant-based options on every menu every day. That that then would not mean. I mean, you not eating for two days could not help surely your your recuperation. No, it didn't. But similarly, I didn't really want the nurses having to run around and find an option for me because of what the way I choose to eat. Right. Um, so, But, yeah, that would have made it easier if it was provided for. It would have made it a lot easier. But you, you kind of, when you make it, I think, when you make a choice, you can't expect everyone else to kowtow to that either. And what was the reaction in hospital when, by what? staff when you said, or did you not tell them at all? No, I did. No, I said I'm vegan. <laughs> the reaction was... Um, the nurses that I had didn't actually know what vegan was. Right, right. I, I can understand that because, you know, I, I thought, what's the difference between vegetarian yeah. and vegan? Yeah, they, they basically said, OK, you're vegan, right, that's fine, so we'll get you the macaroni cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, no, that no. doesn't really help. Stop, stop, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's, it's kind of, it's becoming well known now. Um, it's going to take a bit of catching up. That's, that's just what happens with any change in diet things, I suppose. So if you're deciding to go out of a night um, and 
you know, they're go- you know, there's a group of you going for a meal, or indeed you're going for a romantic meal or whatever. You have to be very careful as to where you're going. Then, do you have your selected and pref- preferred places to eat? Yes, I do. I, I do have places that I know I'll get something easily, and I know places I wouldn't go to the local steakhouse, for example. No, that would be kind of silly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, the, but believe it or not, the best place to go is the chains, like Witherspoons, Pizza Express. They always have something, always. And you think that's because they are large and treating, you know, they're catering for people across the whole of the UK, and, and yes. they know they're going to be asked for this? Yeah, absolutely. But I wouldn't go to a tiny coffee shop in the middle of nowhere and expect them to have a vegan option. That's not fair on them. Right. Are there vegan restaurants where you live? Uh, Yeah, I live in Perth. There's a new one just opened. Okay. And and it's great. It's really, really good. Um, I I hope it stays open because it's never really that busy because it is still a very small market. Right, right. But yeah, it's possible. Interesting, interesting. Um, but it's interesting also to, to say that you're not one that's standing there outside the, the steakhouse with a placard saying, don't go in here. No, no, not at all. But then I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't like smoking. I don't smoke. I'm a personal trainer, but I wouldn't stop someone in the street and say you shouldn't be smoking. Yeah, yeah. Got it's it. choice. That's it. Free choice. Marie, thank you very much indeed. Thanks for coming on and, uh, and telling us your um, experience there, particularly when we're talking about this being uh, a demand in the public sector catering and public sector being hospitals and schools and Marie just been in hospital and faced with that. So um, just just her experience, it's, it's interesting that, isn't it, that uh, people don't understand. And I, I wouldn't understand. I'd have to say, I'd have to go and look at it and say, right, what can we get this uh, patient because this is what she is and macaroni and cheese is not the answer to everything. Catherine, Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm fine. How are you, Phil? Good, good. I'm fine, thank good. you. Right, so good what's stuff. your thoughts then on this? Well, I've only just uh, tuned in the last 10 minutes now, so I haven't heard, uh, so I'm sorry I haven't heard uh, most of your show, but it's just uh, to say that I've been vegetarian for 34 years and I've had not down the road yet, I've, I've been vegan, but my gripe is, uh, like in the supermarkets and that, like you can buy the vegetarian bacon and it's dearer than what real bacon is. Mm-hmm. So that's my issue. Uh, and the same in restaurants. I mean, you can uh, get a vegetable curry uh, for like £5 or something like that and a chicken curry is uh, maybe about £5.50 or something like that. So can there's really... It's bad the the price. You think that you yeah, think that being a vegetarian costs you more then? Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. All right. in, all, in all respects. Mm. And I, I I see that from a restaurant's point of view is understandable because you know that they're having to do something for you in particular. Well, macaroni and cheese. I mean, it's on the menu and. <laughs> Right, back to macaroni and cheese. Would you eat macaroni and cheese? Yes, I do. Right, right. I'm interested in this step from being a vegetarian to being a vegan. You haven't made that step. Why not? No. (laughs) I I like cheese. That's my downfall. You'd miss out on cheese and dairy products. Yes, that's Uh right. Okay, Catherine, thank you very much indeed. I've got uh, one in here from um, Gregor. He says, uh, I was a chef. Um, I've since retired. Um, I'm having steak for lunch at the moment, but we always had a veggie option on the menu when I was a chef. Yes, but did you have a vegan choice? Yeah, it's a difference, isn't it? Macaroni cheese seems to be a favourite for a vegetarian. You know, Oh, yes, we do vegetarian. There's the macaroni cheese. Ours is different. It's made by three with three cheeses. Very good. Uh, re-eating meat. Uh, everyone has a choice. Do the animals have a choice? Once again, here's man's belief that he is the be-all and end-all of everything. Thank you very much indeed for that comment as well. We'll go to Joseph. Hello, Joseph. Uh, good morning, Ali. Good Lovely, morning. nice, fresh, frisky Sunday morning. Indeed. Now then, are you a vegetarian? No, I'm a... I'm a... I love, I love my food, Ali. 
Right. And it has, I'm 74 nearly, and it hasn't done me any harm in all my 74 years, Ali. So I don't understand when try to push us forward. Let, let it be. If you want to be a vegan or a vegetarian, that's your, that's your life. But stop going against the people that love their meat, Sally. Well, we've had Marie on there, who's, uh, as you heard, has been and is uh, a vegan, but she's not pushing it down, her beliefs down people's throats. She's saying everybody has a choice, and that's her choice. Yes, that's, I, I understand that, Ali, but it's, it's, they're the ones that keep pushing and pushing. Leave it alone. If you want to enjoy your life, go to a restaurant. If they've not got it, go to another restaurant. Mm. That's uh, your choice. You've got a choice, but you don't, don't stop making choices for other people that like their, that like their, their uh, meat, food, food Ali. So what about this this um, petition that's been handed in to the Scottish government to make it easier for vegans? A law, they're asking for a law to be introduced demanding that the public sector catering uh, must guarantee there are plant-based options on every menu in hospitals, schools, etc. every day. What do you think of that then? Well, Ali, the, the, the country's not a turmoil anew and all they're interested in is, is changing the law for things. I mean, changing the law for a lot of things that's happening in the country but it would be a lot better. So I'd forget these people is doing that. They're only doing it for their own selves, Ali. Nobody else. And the thing about it is, Ali, they said they don't wear wool and animal skins. Well, they're the ones that's timing pollution because oil-based clothing is plastics and nylons. So they're the ones that's actually polluting it, the, the, the world mm. by not wearing animal skins or, or wool. You see, Joseph, I, I get it in a way. When, I, when you, you listen to Marie there, just one example of going into hospital and not being able to get what something that suits her and therefore not eating for two days. Now, you know, that, that to me is wrong. There should be something that suits everyone on the menu. So I, I go with that there. I, I understand that. But when it comes to, you know, the, the nuttiness of it, where they're, they're a bit daft and demanding on a town called Wool gets its name changed, and things like that. It's, that seems just like that's where it is taking it a bit too far, isn't it? Yes, this is, that's, that's the problem with people like that. They, they, they create something and it goes from worse to bad, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and these people don't understand it. As I said, they're the ones that's polluting it because if they don't... Be, and then you'll have millions of animals all over the world, darling. So where are they going to get the vegetables? See, because the animals will go through the fields looking for food. No, nobody will look after them. Nobody will kill them because they said it's cruel to shoot an animal. So you'll have millions of animals all roaming the earth, Ali. We need, need humans left. OK, Joseph, thank you very much indeed for your view. That's what it's all about. It's all about opinions. And looking at this and wondering what your opinion is on this, should wolf whistling be classed as a hate crime? Women together in Fife want the Scottish government to introduce new legislation against the sexual harassment of women in the streets. Now, they suggest... Sexual harassment includes wolf whistling. In fact, it has been suggested on-the-spot fines should be issued to men who flout the law, which would also cover making lewd comments, but would also cover wolf whistling. Is that really just taking it a bit too far? Is it a case of what Joseph said there? There's a lot that can be changed in this small country that we live in to make it the best small country in the world. And is it really that one? Is, is that really what should be taking up the Scottish Parliament's time, you know, discussing whether we should have a law to ban wolf whistling? What do you think? O treble three twenty twenty four o one. a law to criminalise wolf whistling, demanded by that group in Fife, uh, women together in Fife. Is that pushing it just too far? Scotland's Talking, the podcast. On the phones, it's Anne. Anne, hello and good morning to you. Hi, good morning, Ali. It's just regarding your wolf whistle calls, you know. Yes. Um, honest to God, I think, Ali, it's a piece of nonsense. <clears throat> Can I say to you, see, when we were young, I was young, if you were passing a building site and, you know, you got a wolf whistle, oh, my God, that was brilliant, you know. <laughs> that was brilliant. But anyway, cutting a long story short, even if I've got one, I will whistle now at 74, nearly 75, I would be over the moon. But uh, I just think it's just taking things too far. They're taking things too far. Different if it is a uh, lewd talk. That's yeah, different. Yeah. But these guys who give you a real whistle, come on, it perks you up. 
you know. That's right. And listen, <laughs> it listen, makes you feel you look so bad. And when I pass a group of women standing at a bus stop and they will whistle me, I don't complain at all. <laughs> I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, Anne. Uh, let's go to Shirley next. Hello, Shirley. Good morning to you. Yes, good morning. Good morning. What's your point today, then? Right, it's about being vegetarian. All right, OK. Are you I've one? Been, yes, I am. I've been vegetarian since 1990. <clears throat> and um, in the early days, it was worse. It's getting a bit better. But I've got a menu here in front of me for a Christmas dinner. And there's seven main courses on it. And one of them is vegetarian. And it's pizza. Now, in the early days, all you got was vegetable lasagna. No matter where you went, which restaurant you went to, if you went down the motorway, you got lasagna. That was so because that... chefs weren't trained. No. no you know, and I don't it. think it's got any better when you say you've got pizza on a Christmas menu. <laughs> exactly. And this, I won't say where it is, but this is quite a good restaurant. And there's seven options, and only one of them is, is uh, vegetarian. It's pizza. So I... I'm going with a group of people, so I've had to go into the restaurant, look at their normal um, menu, and then negotiate. So, right. I have to, so, so, so it's going to cost me, for two courses, it's going to cost me £20. If I have something off the normal menu, it might cost me more. You know, right. I, I shan't know that till I go. But uh, this is happening all over. I've been around the world. Right. I, some places you can't get anything at all, but you go into, uh, they've got, in Singapore and Hong Kong, whatever, they've got um, uh, Burger King and whatever, and you go in there and you can't get a thing. But what you do is you just have chips. Right. And you make sure the chips are not cooked in, in goose fat or something, you know. But I, I'm, I've been asking all over the place. I get looked at. I go, oh, she's peculiar. You know, my family actually are much better than they were. They used to think, of, oh, don't, mother, don't ask. I said, oh, don't ask. <laughs> You're an embarrassment, mother. Yeah, you're yeah. an embarrassment. Just have a cheeseburger. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but you know, it's, you've said you're saying you've been a vegetarian since how long? Since 1990. 1990. Uh, so it's been, years. you know, right. So being a vegetarian has been around for a long time, and yes, I, I find it. I really find it odd. You know that when you're looking at a Christmas menu, that a chef has put on a menu for a vegetarian Christmas lunch, a pizza. What's he going to do, put a sprig of holly in the middle or something? Exactly. I mean, that that just shows a total lack of initiative, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, what, in, in, uh, this was in air, a cafe we were in a long time ago, and there was a vegetarian salad advertised. Oh, good, I'll have that, <laughs> thank you. It came, and in the middle of it was tuna. So I said, I'm sorry, but tuna is not vegetarian. Can you take it away? She took it away, and I could see her because it, it was open, you know. She moved the lettuce leaves, scraped out the tuna, and put the lettuce leaves back over. Now, when she brought it back, all the lettuce leaves still had tuna on them, the plates still had tuna on it, and I just said, no, I'm sorry, but that's not acceptable. So and my, my daughter and my grandson were with me, so I just waited. They finished eating, and then we left. And I said at the time, she tried to charge me for it as well. I said, no, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't advertise something that it isn't. Tuna is not vegetarian, you know. It was just the fact that she just scraped it off in the middle of the plate and put the lettuce leaves back over. Oh, for goodness' if sake! If I hadn't seen that, I, I wouldn't yeah. have believed it. You know. I know, I know, but I do. I, I do think that the majority of good chefs um, take delight in being able to come up with something different from yeah. vegetarians, and they put it on the menu. It, it may be a bit of faffing around and having to do a bit something different, but they do enjoy, you know, providing for. Yeah. Yeah, I just find that really strange. That uh... just, if you're a meat eater, I mean, on this menu in particular, quite in front of me. If you're a meat eater, you've got seven choices because you mm. could have pizza as well. I, as a vegetarian, only have one choice. That's what I've always been saying. You have all these choices. You could have vegetarian if you want to. You, you could have the pizza. You could have anything else. But I said I've only got one choice, and the choice usually is take it or leave it. Aye, you know? that's it. Yes. Okay, Shirley, thank you very much indeed, and uh, hopefully the chef is uh, 
maybe recognised himself, who's put a pizza on for a vegetarian Christmas menu as a vegetarian choice, as uh, maybe just having a rethink. Um, let's just uh, wind up now and have a look at some of the comments that have been coming in on social media on all the subjects we've been talking about today. Uh, Ali, I think there's more pressing things to worry about than to make a law against wolf whistling. I think these women that want this law passed is maybe not getting any wolf whistles anymore. <laughs> For the sake, get a life. Thank you for that. Uh, here's another one that says, um, Ali, that women on the spot fine is a joke. Uh, hope that is applicable to women as on a night out. I often get lewd comments, suggestions that is only regarded as a laugh and a bit of fun. But if I directed the same back to these ladies, that's a completely different story. And it's New Year. I wear my kilt. I wish I can give you a body cam footage next time I go out because, you know, I do get the kilt lifted, I get comments, etc., which, once again, if it was a woman wearing a skirt. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for that. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, there's another one in here. Yes. Uh, wolf whistling, where is it all going? Where's the crack? I bet ladies are complimented by this. I'm hearing a senior manager was reprimanded for calling a lady hen. Simply can he understand it? Our granddads would not survive in this current society. I, I hear what you're saying, and I think it's, uh, yeah, there are some strange things taking place and complaining about this, that, and the other. By the way, um, I, I was reading uh, that uh, call for woo whistle on spot finds from a newspaper from the from the Courier, and uh, they carried out a poll. Should wolf whistling be classed as a hate crime? Yes, 9%. No, 90%. And that's it for Scotland's Talking Today.